We're in uh, Mark chapter 11. Which is a familiar verse to all of us. Verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So in, in verse 23, uh, Jesus is talking about uh, getting rid of something that you don't want, some, uh, a problem, a hindrance, an obstacle, something that God did not put there. Uh, he's talking about speaking to it to have it removed out of your life. Verse 24, he's talking about receiving, receiving from God, receiving uh, what God has promised, what God uh, has already promised through the shed blood of Jesus, what already belongs to us. So uh, we've seen that faith involves believing and speaking. We saw in uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, we saw that we don't have to get Jesus to come back down here on earth to do something about our situation. Uh, we don't have to uh, get him to come back down here. We don't have to get him raised from the dead. He's already raised from the dead. He came down here once, uh, and he destroyed the works of the devil. So, and then he put all authority uh, under our feet. He's given authority on this earth to us. So, the word goes on there to say in Mark 10 that the word of God is as close to you as in your heart and in your mouth. Uh, so, we went on to uh, Hebrews chapter 4, 16. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. Uh, and, and we majored on the word obtain, which also means to take or to receive or to possess. And that word obtain is not a passive word. Uh, you know, it doesn't say come boldly to the throne of grace and just leave it all up to God. <laughs> you know, uh, it's not a passive word. It, uh, it says to come boldly. Now, that doesn't mean arrogance. But it doesn't mean begging either. We come with confidence because we know we belong there. We belong at the throne of God. We can come boldly because we have no sense of inferiority or guilt or condemnation. So um, we can come boldly and ask for what uh, God has promised, to receive what God has already promised. That's really what we're talking about, what he's already 
purchase for us uh, part of our inheritance. Then we saw in 1 Timothy 6, 12, uh, fight the good fight of faith. So what does it say there? Fight the good fight of faith. Uh, sit back and leave it all up to God. Is that what it says? No. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Now, lay hold is also, that's not a passive uh, that doesn't describe a passive action. Lay hold is an, a, an aggressive, bold, uh, proactive uh, behavior. Lay hold. So it says, fight the good fight of faith. Why do we have, why do we have to fight? <laughs> what is it that we're fighting? Well, we have an adversary. We have an adversary who does not want us to receive our inheritance. He does not want us to receive the blessings of God. Ideally, he doesn't want us to receive Jesus at all. But if he can't stop us from receiving Jesus, then the next best thing is just to stop us from the blessings and the victory um, that belongs to us right now. And many Christians are putting uh, their blessing um, off till they get to heaven. And they think, oh, it'll be great then. Well, we're talking about what belongs to us right now. And um, so we, we, have to, uh, we also have to fight symptoms. We have to fight circumstances. We have to fight through feelings. So this is all part of, of, of fighting the good fight of faith uh, in order to lay hold of what Jesus has already bought and paid for us to have. Uh, we, we looked at several examples in the ministry of Jesus. Um, we looked at the uh, woman with the issue of blood. She fought her way. She pushed and shoved her way through thousands of people knowing that she could be stoned to death, knowing it was uh, in the natural law it was against the law for he even to be there. But she didn't sit at home saying, well, Jesus knows where I am. He can heal me anytime he wants to. And I've had people tell me that. I've, I've had people personally tell me that many times. Well, he, he can heal me anytime he wants to. I'm, I'm ready, you know. Uh, that's passive. That, that's not laying hold, you know. Uh, that lady, the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't sit at home waiting for Jesus to come knock on her door and say, do you need prayer? No, she got up and she laid hold of her healing. We also looked at blind Bartimaeus. Uh, when he heard the commotion, you know, coming down the road, he said, what's going on? And they said, oh, it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. So he, he didn't say, well, uh, if Jesus wants to heal me, he can heal me. You know, no, he threw off that garment, and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He screamed out, and the religious people said, shut up, old man. You know, he, he, he isn't going to fool with you, and he, he got louder. He got louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He was laying hold. He was determined to lay hold of his healing. Uh, you know, we looked at the ten lepers and so forth. 
So uh, we've been talking about what it means to, to be aggressive and to lay hold because it's very popular in many Christian circles to um, just be passive and, and just say it, it's up to God. You know, if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. If, uh, if he doesn't want me to have it, well, I guess that's his will. No, we know his will from his word. He's given us his word, so we know his will. So uh, most churches don't really teach this, and, and a lot of people are suffering, and, and they're perishing, or they're just, they may not be perishing, but they're just not experiencing God's best. And we want to experience God's best. We want to receive all of the blessings, everything that Jesus died to give us. Uh, we don't we don't want to just be indifferent about it and say, oh well, it's all up to God. No, we we play a part. We have a part to play. So that's what we're we're learning about that that we have a part to play. First of all, we need to know that it's God's will, and once we know it's God's will, then we need to know how to possess it. And that's something that we have to we have to learn and we have to be taught because it's easy to just take the path of least resistance, and that's what. A lot of people do because uh, it kind of shifts all the responsibility off of people and puts it over onto God, uh, and that's not that's not the way it, it is. You know, uh, we don't see that in the Bible, so uh, we don't want to fall into that trap. So today, let's um, let's go to Nehemiah. Uh, chapter 9. If I can find it. <laughs> Should have marked it. It's near Ezra. It's behind the Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's right at Ezra. Mm -hmm. This is a different Bible that I'm used to uh, using, and some of the uh, pages stick together. Yeah. Well. I should have marked it last night when I was looking at it. Do you want to Yeah, bring me yours. This I changed Bibles and different version. Thank you. <laughs> Nine twenty-two. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sihon. The land, notice the word possession, they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. And you also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. There's that word again. So the people went in and possessed 
the land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. And they took strong cities in a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. So uh, God had given them this land and these cities, but that wasn't the end. They had to get up. They had to arm themselves. They had to go in and possess what God had already given them. Uh, this uh, is the will of God for his people. It's still the will of God for his people, and his will has not changed. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord. You never know what I'm going to do. Is that what it says? I am the Lord. I am unpredictable. No, that's, that's what a lot of Christians believe and preach. Their churches that preach that. You never know what God's going to do. No, Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. Uh, these people went in and they possessed their possessions. Uh, we also know that those people in Nehemiah, you know, they went back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it, the story tells us they had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. <laughs> Yeah. So, so while they were building, they were having to hold off the enemy as well, you know. Yeah. So they didn't just sit back and say, well, if it's God's will, he'll, he'll have somebody rebuild the wall. No, uh, you know, we have a part to play. Um, if you go back to, you know, the Israelites, the first generation that did not go into the uh, promised land, it was the second generation that went in. Why did the first generation fail to go in? Was it because it wasn't God's will? No. Uh, was, it, was it because it, it was part of God's mysterious plan for them to stay in the wilderness? Uh, you know, some people believe that. Was it because uh, their basic needs were met in the wilderness and God says, well, that's good enough. You, you, you know, you got enough. Just be content. No. Uh, if it was... if. If being just having enough was God's will, he wouldn't have told him to leave there and go to a better place. Um, Hebrews 3, 17 to 19 says, uh, talking about this generation, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So that first generation did not go in and possess the land and enjoy the abundance and the blessings of it because they didn't have the faith to possess it. They just didn't have the faith to possess it. And the Bible says here that it grieved God. Uh, so, so it was obviously his will that they go in and take it or he wouldn't have been grieved about it. Uh, Let's turn over to uh, Numbers 13. 
we're familiar uh, with this chapter. God spoke to his covenant people Israel and by choice they separated themselves into two groups. One group was the passive people, the whiners and the complainers and the blamers. And the other group were the faith possessors. Uh, and all Christians and all churches are in one of these two groups. And we don't want to be in the group that's sitting by just waiting on God, complaining, blaming God, whining, you know, uh, doing without. We want to be in the faith group that possesses and receives uh, what God has already promised us, what he's already provided for us. We want to be in the strong group. We don't want to be in the weak, wimpy group. Um, and this whining, blaming group, um, they had the idea that if it was God's will for them to have this, it would just automatically happen, you know. Uh, that they wouldn't really have any involvement in possessing it. It, it would just happen. It would just be automatic. And there's still many Christians that believe that. They believe if it's God's will for them to have something, it will automatically happen. Uh, they believe it will be instant and it will be effortless. And uh, healing is one of those areas where it's a huge obstacle to a lot of people receiving healing. Uh, there's no pattern of this in the Bible, though. Just because you see in the Bible that God wants you to have something, it doesn't mean that it's automatic. Even when God uh, supernaturally rained down manna from heaven for the Israelites, um, they still had to get up, get out of their tent, and go out and pick it up. They didn't, God didn't have a, a group of angels go out and gather it up for them and bring it to the tent door. Even though God supernaturally provided, they still had to go out and pick it up. So they, they had an involvement there. Um, God said to that first generation that that land is yours. And they said, yeah, but there are giants there. And God said, well, what does that matter? I've, I've given it to you. And that's, you know, it's important that we hear from God, uh, not only through his word, but just you know, as we, as we begin to get up and begin to take some action, you know, uh, a step in the direction that he's, uh, you know, putting on our heart to, to move, when we begin to move in that direction, uh, it's important that we know that we've heard from God, you know, and we're not just uh, assuming something and we're not going after something that belongs to somebody else you know we've we've heard from God that, that this this is ours and I've given it to you and we start thinking about the cost of it and uh, the size of it and all this uh, but if we've heard from God we can be confident that he's going to back us up and that God says, if I say it's yours, it's yours. And those people are going to have to change. The people are telling you, you can't have it. That's going to have to change because I've said it's yours. So that's why it's, it's important that we also hear from God and not just going after, you know, something um, that we haven't really heard from him about or something that's not even promised us. 
in this case, uh, you know, with the Israelites, there were other people already living on that land. And God said, it's still yours, you know. So the fact that somebody else was already occupying the land didn't change the fact that it belonged to them. God said, I've given it to you. I don't care who's living there right now. I've given it to you. But they had to get up and go fight and take it and possess it. And this, that's what this whole uh, story is about here. Uh, God didn't put the giants there to keep them out. The devil put the giants there to keep them out. Uh, to keep them out of where God wanted them to be. Uh, so, uh, you know, we think about, okay, well, it's yeah, but it's going to cost us much money. Or, uh, yeah, but the doctor said it's incurable. You know, uh, what does that matter? If, if I've said you're healed, you're healed, like Mel was talking about. If, if the lawyer, uh, you know, says, yeah, but these people never change their mind, that's subject to change. Amen. God says, I said it's yours, and God can cause people to change their mind. So when you're looking at the price of something, and you're looking at a giant that's trying to keep you from possessing what God's already given, or when you hear the word incurable or no cure, or you'll have to live with this for the rest of your life, when you hear uh, five out of ten people die with this, you're looking at a giant that's trying to keep you from possessing what God has already given. It, and uh, at that point, we have to put on the helmet of salvation. We have to put on this whole armor of God, the, the sword of the Spirit, gird up the loins of our mind with the truth of God's Word, the gospel of peace on our feet, Put on the breastplate of righteousness, holding up the shield of faith, and go in and possess what's ours. Uh, what God has provided, we have to possess. What God has already provided, we have to possess. It's not just automatic. God is not the one withholding. Uh, we have an adversary. We have an enemy who wants to stop us from possessing what God wants us to have. He wants to hold us back. He doesn't want us to be where God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to have what God wants us to have. He hates God and he hates you because you have the God kind of faith and he wants to dominate you and be in control. But Jesus has already set us free from his control and we have to resist him. We have to resist him. Uh, and, and God's already given us the authority to do that. All we need to know is that God has already given it to us. And once we know that, we have the basis of faith. Because faith comes by hearing from him. And that can be through his word or by his spirit. It could even be a prophecy. Uh, when you hear from him that it's yours, he's given it to you, then it's time for us to possess it. God did not send the, uh, the, uh, the 10 that he sent over here, the 12 that he sent over here. Uh, we call them spies. They were really the leaders of, of the tribes of Israel. 
they went over to survey the land. Um, and God didn't send them over there to decide if they could take it. He just sent them over there to survey it out and bring back a report. And they even brought back the evidence of the grapes that were so huge it took two men to carry them. So um, they weren't to decide whether or not they could possess it. They just went to survey the land. Um, he sent them over there to formulate a plan on how they were going to take it. Not whether they could take it, but how they were going to take it. Uh, and they came back and they said, no, we've talked about it. We can't do it. <laughs> we've discussed it. We can't do it. Uh, and they totally left God out of the plan. So we don't want to be in a whining, complaining, blaming God group. Uh, we want to be in the, the group, that the strong group that believes God, that believes God's report, uh, that believes what God says and rise up and possess it. The fact that you're here in this meeting tells God a whole lot about which group you want to be in. God's been waiting for a generation of people who will believe him and they'll rise up in faith and go out and possess uh, what he's given us and establish God's covenant in the earth. Uh, we believe that this ministry is supposed to be in the get up and believe God and possess it group. That's a group we want to be in. Now we're not claiming something that doesn't belong to us. We're not uh, claiming something that God doesn't want us to have. If, if, if you're just claiming something that belongs to somebody else, that's covetousness. That's, that's not faith, that's just covetousness. What we claim and possess and believe is based on God's word and what God has promised and what he's already uh, given to us through the redemptive work of Jesus. So you can't claim something that he hasn't given. Uh, that's just presumption as well. That's why we need to hear from God. Uh, you know, the devil tried to possess something that did not belong to him. You know? <laughs> and he tried to lay hold of and claim God's throne, and it didn't work out very well. So he was trying to use a faith principle, you know, uh, speaking what he wanted and so forth. But he didn't have the authority to claim what belonged to God. So... Um, it didn't turn out very well for him. We're talking about possessing what God's word has already given us. The re reason Christians criticize us for believing and claiming what God has already given us is because they don't know the same things belong to them. They just don't know it. And this is why the first thing we have to find out is what God has already given us through the word and by his spirit. You're not going to be persistent and tenacious about it until you know that you know that God has given it to you and it's, it's mine. The second thing we need to know is uh, how to possess it. How are we going to possess it? Well, we're going to possess it with our faith. Now, let's turn uh, to Deuteronomy 
chapter 1, just a few pages over to the right. Deuteronomy 1, verse 8. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So God's not telling them to go possess the land that he has not given them. The word possess is an action word. It's not a passive word. Uh, to give us an idea of how important it is to God, the word possess or possessions or some form of that word appears in the region of 270 times in the Bible. So when people mock us for uh, claiming and possessing things that God uh, has promised us, they're really mocking God because we can see this is really uh, important to God. 270 times he talks about possessing something yeah. that yeah. belongs to us. Yeah. Uh, it's also translated occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place. It's also translated inherit, to take or to seize. Um, God's commanded us to do this. And in Hebrews, it said he was grieved when they didn't do it. So it's important to him. This theme runs throughout the Bible at least 270 times. In Luke 19, 13, Jesus said, Occupy till I come. In other words, possess. Uh, drive out the ones that don't belong there. Possess it. Amen. Young's literal translation says, Do business until I come. The New Century Version says, Do business with this money until I get back. Je Jesus was talking about money, yeah, and what we're supposed to do with it. Mark uh, eleven twenty four, which we started out on, our text scripture, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it. We saw that word in the Greek means to take it. Believe you take it, believe you possess it. This is not vague. This is specific. Uh, Deuteronomy 1, verse 21. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Verse 38. Joshua the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. God said, you didn't do it, but the next generation will. And if we don't possess what's ours, somebody else will. And, and we don't, we don't want somebody else 
having what belongs to us. We sure don't want the devil. We're supposed to take back what he's already stolen. Amen. And I believe that's that's happening. And God's raising up a group of people who will go in and take back what the devil has stolen from us. The generations before us, they did not have access to the word of God that we have. They did not have access to the teaching of God's word that we have. They did not know what God had already given them, much less how to possess it. Weak, passive, confused religious people teaching the doctrines of men and doctrines of devils pass it along from one generation to the next. And the ungodly have possessed the political offices and made the laws, the school system, the business world, the news media, the entertainment world, what we call today the seven mountains of influence in the culture. The ungodly have gone in and they possessed it and now we're suffering the consequences uh, of us sitting back passively uh, not possessing those areas of influence and now we're suffering the consequences because the ungodly were not timid they were not passive they went for these high places of influence and now we're suffering the consequences of it um, they're telling us uh, what you can and can't do in business they're telling your kids what they're going to be taught at school and in some cases are trying to tell what you can and can't preach in churches. That's already started as well. So we have to be the generation that rises up strong in faith and we're going to lay hold and possess what the generations before us gave away in ignorance. And I'm believing for a bunch of believers in this ministry who will rise up and lay hold of wisdom and direction and clarity uh, believers that will scare the devil amen hallelujah will rise up we'll, we'll, we'll lay hold of our protection that's something we really need to lay hold of in, in the days that we live in rise up in business and lay hold of millions of pounds millions of dollars for the kingdom of God historically this nation is not a nation of wimps I mean, uh, certainly World War II, I mean, the remnant of people rose up in this country uh, led by Winston Churchill, who definitely was not a wimp. In my opinion, he was the greatest leader of the 20th century. And if we had more men and women like him today, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. And, and I'm not saying it's, it's up, uh, we're not looking to the government. Uh, for the answers at all. Jesus is the answer. But he raises up men and women uh, that he uses here on the earth to uh, fulfill his will. And so this nation has not been known as a nation of wimps and sissies, but the organized church really all over the world has been weak and passive uh, about faith and, and receiving from God. It's been really weak in this area. And we're not going to be sissies. We're not going to be beggars. 
We're not going to complain. We're not going to make excuses. Amen? Let's, let's look at Deuteronomy 2, 19. And when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. So God, in this case, he said, don't. I'm not giving you the land of Ammon, so leave it alone. Don't try to possess it. It's not yours. I'm not, I'm not giving that to you. So uh, covetousness is when you want to possess something that belongs to somebody else. And in this situation, God said, the, the land of Ammon, leave it alone. It's not yours. So that's why we want to be led by the Word, led by the Spirit who bears witness with our spirit. We're not listening for audible voices to hear from God. Uh, you know, sometimes we get our eyes on something and uh, we might just assume, you know, that God's uh, given it to us or assume this is the right one. Uh, but if... if you get a check in your spirit and the Lord says, no, I've got something better for you. Then just, we just leave it alone and we just trust God that he's got something better for us. Uh, and something else the Lord says, I've given it to you and there may be other people occupying it. And they may have to change the law for you to get it. And that can happen. Amen. That can happen. I heard of one uh ministry they were believing for um well it, it wasn't a very big congregation it's a small church uh but they were believing for their own property and uh, they had a visiting pastor and uh, he he really had it on his heart um you know that they were believing for a bigger church and that god had something better for them so uh, the pastor took him out to look at the building, big, big building, much bigger than what they needed. And of course, they said, no, you know, you're not going to get this. The bank wouldn't touch them. You know, how are you going to pay for this and all that? Uh, and the, the visiting minister really prophesied to them, "God's, I believe God's given you this building. So it went on for a while. Um, and eventually... The man in town that owned the building, bank wouldn't even talk to them. The man that owned the building, very wealthy man, uh, he contacted the pastor and said, you know, I, I believe you're supposed to have this building. So he went to the bank. He went to the bank and he told the bank, I am selling this building to this pastor with or without your help. And the bank said, oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll do, we'll do whatever it takes to, to make it happen. So, so you know, he, he had to be persistent, though, you know, because they told him no a number of times. But he just kept believing God and just, you know, if they've told you 10 times, no, just go back 11, you know, just keep going. And God can cause laws to be changed and cause people to... to uh, change their minds. So we just have to be persistent. Just keep turning up. Uh, just keep showing up. I heard a, a, 
uh, sermon on that lately. Just keep showing up. And that, that was really good. It was encouraging. Uh, isn't that what Moses did with Pharaoh? How many times did Pharaoh said, no, I'm not letting you go. But Moses just was persistent. He just kept going. God said, let my people go. And, and he just kept turning up uh, to Pharaoh. But one day he went in there and Pharaoh said, okay, you can go, you know. Praise God. Um, we're in Deuteronomy. We're still in Deuteronomy 2, 24. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given you, given into your hand Sion, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven. You shall hear the report, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. Verse 31. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to possess it that you may inherit this land. In chapter 3, it, it says that um, the next giant that tried to keep them out was a king named Og. And it says his bed was greater than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. Now that's, that's a giant. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, so the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people. And we attacked him until he had no survivors remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. So these are the same giants that stopped the first generation. When the first generation of Israelites went in to survey that land, they saw these giants. They saw the wall cities. They saw the, the chariots. And they said, we can't do it. Uh, you know, it, it can't be ours. It's not going to be ours. We, we just can't do it. The giants uh, and the wall cities uh, just looked overwhelming to them and they just did not have the faith to possess it. Yeah. Back in Numbers, uh, Numbers 13 again, God said, I found the perfect land for you. It has wells and springs of waters, orchards, fruit trees, vineyards, fertile ground. There's more than you could ever need or want. So they, they sent the men over. They brought some of this food back, the grapes. that took two men to carry it. Verse uh, 25, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all 
the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So when they came back, uh, they said, what God said is true. Yeah. Everything God said about this land is true. Yeah, We've even brought land. back physical evidence. Verse 28. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, here we go. <laughs> but when somebody says, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says, but you know the rest of the sentence is going to be unbelief. It ain't going to be a faith. Yeah, it's a big drum. It ain't. We won't guess it. Yeah, it's not going to be a faith. It's not going to be a statement of faith. When they said, nevertheless, they were saying, what God said about the land's true, but what he said about the land being ours and us being able to take it, that's not true. So this evil... Uh, that God considered that to be evil in his eyes and in his ears because basically they just call God a liar. And they, they elevated their, their natural senses, what they saw, what they felt, what they heard, they elevated that above God's word. And that's what we were talking about earlier. That's something that, that's why we have to know the integrity of God's word, his written word. Uh, and that it's final authority in our lives. And these things that we see and feel and hear, those are subject to change. Those are temporary. God's word is not subject to change. When people say healing and the Holy Spirit's not for everybody, they're basically calling God a liar. When they say prosperity's not for me, they're calling God a liar. God's never been wrong about anything. He's right about uh, these things being good, and he's right about them being ours. Let's say this together. It's good, it's good. and it's mine. And it's mine. Amen. Verse 28. But the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. So, do you think God knew that there were giants before he sent them over there? Yeah. He did, yes. Yeah, he knew there were giants in yes. wall cities before he ever yes. sent them. Verse 29. These people are big and mean, and they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so they interpreted what they saw um, to mean that it's not ours. Uh, it's theirs, and it's going to stay theirs. That's the way they interpreted this, this visit over to the, the promised land. There are people who agree that healing is real and God can heal. But they, I guess, you know, I guess it's not for me. It's not God's will to heal everybody. I know God can bless people, but I guess it's just not his will for me. No. That has never been the issue. The issue is, do they have the revelation and the faith to take it and to receive it? So it takes faith to fight the good, it, to fight the good fight of faith and to combat and overcome the giants. 
Uh, you know, you hear some people say, well, I, I'm just not an aggressive person. I, I don't like confrontation. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in our culture today. Uh, and it's what causes, especially Christians, to just sit back and just allow things to be happening that shouldn't be happening. We know they're contrary to the Word of God. We know uh, it's evil. We know it's destructive. But people just don't want to confront evil, really. And it's a whole lot easier to just sit back and be passive. And I think that's a huge problem in the church today um, with what's going on in our culture. It takes faith to fight the good fight of faith. Um, and, and if people are just going to sit back and not want confrontation, then they're just going to be stuck with what they have. It, it, you know, they're, they're going to do without what God has given them, and God's will is not always going to be done. You've got to be a man and a woman of God. You've got to be strong and stir yourself up um, like David did. Verse 30, Then Caleb stilled the people. He said, shut up, listen to me, let's go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. One translation says, we should attack now and take the land. We are strong enough to conquer it. Uh, another translation says, we should go up and take that land for ourselves. We can easily take that land. Now that's a statement of faith, and God will get behind that. That's, those are words that pleases God. Amen. Uh, verse 32. We were grasshoppers. Verse 32. They, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in the land of great stature. Uh, we saw the giants, descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in their own sight. And so we, in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. They said we were grasshoppers in our own sight. That, that was a true statement. They were grasshoppers in their own sight. But were, were they grasshoppers in the giant side, the, the enemy side. No, they were not. That was not a true statement because in Joshua 2, we have Rahab's account of this story when the spies went over into the land. And, and Rahab told them, the men, when, when they got there, they went to her house. She said, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what uh, you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above 
and an earth beneath. Does that sound like a story where they saw the Israelites as grasshoppers? No, they saw them as a threat. They, they, they knew they were doomed. If they came in there, they were doomed. They were ready to run from them. They were ready to run from them. No, they were scared because they had heard how God parted the Red Sea and gave them victory over their enemies. And that's why Rahab surrendered to them. Uh, she surrendered to the spies. And uh, when they came to, to spy out the land, and she made them promise that when they, when yeah. they came, not if they came, yeah. when they came, they would spare her and her family. Yeah. And they did. So it doesn't matter how big the giants are. God is bigger. I don't care how much money it is. God's bigger. It doesn't matter how rare or incurable it is. God is bigger. God is bigger and stronger because somebody has to believe it and show up. Amen? Uh, let's just look at Numbers 14 as we're closing. Numbers 14, 6 says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. So they've been listening to these people whine and complain, and, and they're fed up with these three million people whining and complaining. And these two men have just come back from the same land, saw the same thing, saw the same giants, and they're making plans about going back. They're already making plans about what they're going to do when they go back. Joshua said, I'm going to build my house over near that beautiful lake. And Caleb said, I'm going to take that land with the vineyards, and I want to be able to look out on those mountains in, my, in, in the background. And uh, they said, okay, who's going to go with us? <laughs> there's more than enough for everybody so let's go and and what did the people say God you brought us out here to kill us we just don't understand why he doesn't help us why, why is it so hard you know blaming God complaining Moses you're, you're too hard on us you know this is all your fault um, God knew there were giants over there he brought us out here to kill us. This, this is the talk that's going on among the blamers and the complainers and the whiners. Verse 7 and 8. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. As we read in, over in Hebrews, um, they hardened their heart and they were not able to go possess this land and it grieved God. They couldn't enter it because of their unbelief. It wasn't really the giants that kept them out. It wasn't the wall cities. They just lacked the faith to go in and possess it. And unbelief is the result of a hardened heart. And the ten men that brought back the report that was contrary to what God said. Uh, they died on the spot. And the rest of them wandered out in the wilderness 
for 40 years, not because it was God's will, not because it was part of God's mysterious plan, but because they did not have the faith to possess it. But the next generation, they got fed up with the sand out in the wilderness. They said, we're not staying here any longer. So they were thankful for the manna, but they wanted something else in their diet besides manna. They were thankful for it, but they knew God had something better for them. Amen? So we're thankful for what God's given us. But we know God's got something better for us. Uh, we, we, we want to receive God's best. And that doesn't mean we're greedy or arrogant. We just want to possess and receive what all God has for us. Now in this lifetime, he's promised it to us now, not like so many Christians that are putting it off till they get to heaven. When all the unbelieving group died off, Joshua and Caleb were still alive. And they were saying, we're as strong as we were when we were 40 years old. We're going to go take this land. Amen. And they took it. But it didn't just fall in their lap with no effort. The first town they came to, they had to march around it seven times. They had to fight, regroup, and fight some more. And this didn't, didn't all happen in a couple of weeks. They had to keep on and they had to endure hardness. They possessed it little by little until they lived in the land, until they possessed all of it. But they took it little by little. They enjoyed the riches and the houses and the vineyards and the blessing of God because they had the faith to possess it. Amen. Hallelujah.